I'm Stephen Jack Butella. And I'm Jill DeWitt, and this is The Land Academy Show. This is episode number 1,942, believe it or not, and today we are talking in depth about marketing for sale land in 2023 in this economic downturn, and we'll talk uh, later about the difference between buying and selling land as a hobby or as a career. I like this. I vote career. Yeah. Exactly. But I was reading in Discord, uh, there's a lot of people that have joined that are, um, they have roots in the real estate, civil engineering, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. and they have history locally in dealing with land and landowners. Mm-hmm. And so they joined because they want to do a couple of deals a year mm-hmm. and they want to be part of the community. Well, careful, because that's how it turns into a career. <laughs> that's the greatest thing. I don't know how thing. you can... Isn't that funny? Like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't even work that hard, and I just made mm-hmm. $50,000. What would happen if I really tried? Mm-hmm. What would happen if I spent two hours a day instead of one? Exactly. I couldn't stop myself. That's yep. why we're here, actually. Yep. <laughs> I hope you're also enjoying our 2023 weekly show. It changed a little bit. Each week... We answer questions from our Land Academy Discord forum, review land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday member webinar, and we take a deep dive uh, look into the two land-related topics that are, by by and large, requested on Discord. Mm-hmm. Now let's take a question posted by one of our members on the Land Academy uh, Discord online community. If you want a sneak peek at the uh, Discord channel, please go to landacademy.com. It's totally free. Yeah, it's a view only uh, snippet of some of the areas within our our thing. It's Discord is our online community. It's pretty darn cool. If you're not uh, not familiar with Discord, Google it, watch a YouTube video on it, and uh, it'll show you what it's it is. A it's a huge, cool. huge benefit to being involved in Land Academy. I think you're. It's twenty four seven support, basically. Your questions get answered by people who were in your shoes six months ago. Uh huh. There you go. Bailey wrote. Or was uh, that's, that's correct, Bailey. Bailey wrote that Yuri said. No, no, I'm sorry. That's oh. a script and correction. Oh, sorry. So Yuri ba- wrote. No, ba- Bailey, oh, just, Bailey wrote. Bailey just said it. <laughs> <laughs> who, who Congratulations, wrote the Bailey and Yuri. Who wrote the flipping question? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to get on that person who. This uh, is a script error. Yes, right. It's probably the same person that does our mailers. <laughs> great. <laughs> makes you feel great <laughs> okay that would be him all right so bailey wrote hey guys has anyone here dealt with fractional interest slash ownership before listen, I, listen I have to a this. lot to say about this one listen to this joke okay. this is this is a crack up okay like it's okay right. <laughs> all right so i'm in contact with a large company that wants to offload 120 parcels over the course of the next couple of years and there are some great pieces of land in this portfolio much of which has been owned for over 60 years but some do of they them, own yeah Let's see. do they <laughs> Some of them, however, have fractional ownership. Oh, but the company has a majority share and control in all of these. Oh, I'm sure that's true. This first parcel I'm offering on 160 acres in Colorado is very expensive area owned by 75% of them and then 25% by another party that bought it through a tax deal 60 years ago. The company solely owns the easement, leading to the property. Well, that's great. And many of the adjacent, that's awesome. You can get to it, but you can't use it. Um, and many adjacent parcels, access is great. Under normal circumstances, I might just let this go. However, this relationship could be incredibly lucrative if we're able to get this first deal done. Is there something you rec- is this something you would recommend staying out of? Yes. Any input or resources are greatly appreciated. Thank you. Here's what I would do. Can I answer first? Sure. That's great. You're talking to the person that owns 75%. You need to talk to the person that owns 25%. It's not going to do any good unless you buy 100%. Because do you want to now buy 75% of this and you too can't do anything with it or use it um, or live on it or whatever? Because there's somebody else that owns 25%. And it's not like, oh, I get you know, these 15 out of 20 acres and they get those five. That's not what this fractional ownership means. It's it's another person who has interest in this property and, and they have to be a part of everything. You can't even really buy that this from them. Um, I mean, go ahead. <laughs> there are many, many ways to own real estate. Mm-hmm. What we care about is a fee, simple interest, and that's it. 
when you buy a house, you have a fee simple interest in that house. Right. Unless there's a land lease or you're in a mobile home and you're renting the land under it or you right. or you uh, live in a condominium where you have an interest in, in the air rights, literally the air that's between the walls, that's what you own. It's crazy when you really think about it. Fractional ownership is, is one item in a long list of ways to own property that don't work for us. The complication here is, or what's making this um, not clear, is when you think about a company. So if, we've all heard, hey, if you own 51% of a company, uh, then you have a controlling interest in, and you're gonna decide exactly sure. what it's gonna do. Right. You could do everything from increase the value of the company and operate it differently, or break it all apart like some uh, like a corporate Wall Street Raider from the 80s and, and just dismantle it because the parts equal more than your 51% ownership value. That can't be confused with this. You, fractional ownership means, this, and this fractional ownership came about because probably in the 50s and 60s and slightly in the 70s for whatever reason, certain places, specifically in California, uh, specifically West Virginia, and I didn't know in Colorado until this, until, uh, mm -hmm. uh, this person posted this, they assigned APNs to ownership, silly. So now, I mean, the vast majority of the property in the entire country has an APN, one APN, one parcel, one APN. Somebody got the bright idea specifically in Southern California. So if Jill and I own a piece of property, she gets an APN and I get an APN. That's what you're dealing with here. Right. So unless, unfortunately, this is a 60 year old tax sale situation. So everybody's probably dead I unless you get a hold of this 25% owner and they give you consent or you pay them or something to buy to, that uh, too at the same time to create now one APN for that parcel you they own nothing they have yeah. no value here the only other option is and I would really encourage you to take a look at this is a uh, quiet title because you could end up in with the entire value of the property and ownership a fee simple ownership of the property if you go through quiet title which is going to take which maybe is, five grand and probably two years. Yeah, that's the problem. Which is really basically, you know, you buy the seventy-five percent, and you're 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 you have to go through a legal process to try to try to connect with the other person. It's all you're, there's an attorney involved. There's attorney fees and well, it's time. A, it's a legal action, right? To to basically, you know, try to reach out to them. But there's ads in the paper. It's all old school. There's a whole process. Mm, it's a statutory process yeah. that's dictated by each individual state. Right, and and where you're really trying to find them because if you do, if you can't find them, right, this is what it would be. And then basically, the court will award you like, hey, the guy obviously disappeared. They obviously went dark. We did everything we could. So the court will kind of award you now that extra percentage. But oh, I don't want to do all that. No, I mean you can. There's people that have a, this is their career. Mm -hmm. They quiet title property and that's, there's nothing wrong with that, especially, and I'm being really uh, blunt here. These people are, who have this minority interest in this property, 60, they acquired it 60 years ago. They're all dead. Yeah, it's a and good so chance. Nobody quiet knows. titling property for, from dead people is a, you know, I don't want to be crass here, but otherwise it's just going to go back to the taxing authority anyway. Right. So you can, you know, there are people out there who target dead people property and quiet title it. Mm -hmm. I would personally, I would run away from this. I think it's too much work. I'll just send out more mail, get a better deal and, and, um, and live a happy life. Right. Today's topic, today's first topic, I should say, is called marketing for sale land in 2023 in this economic economic downturn. I say for sale in uh, air quotes because mm -hmm. when I was in commercial real estate a million years ago, people would run around the office, uh, largely our clients, not so much the people in, our, in my office would run around and say, the last thing anybody wants is for sale property, mm -hmm. which is funny because I made a career out of it. <laughs> <laughs> what they really meant to say is, they want well, sold? you need a, no, you want, you want an office building that's collecting rent. So the oh. balance sheet's going up and it's, there's capitalization rates and there's stuff that you can lend against and, uh, and they want to have a complicated real estate life. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we want. We want for sale property that's soon to be sold. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with for sale property. I have to think about this for a second. So I don't have a problem with for sale no, property either. No, I like, especially right now, 
you know, with with this market and this climate and and all the little uh, the worries people are having and the whatever, I, you know, it always brings up the money people. Anytime there's like up or down, kind of like a stock market, you're going to make money going up. You're going to make even more money when it goes down. You know, there's, there's nuances to this. You just have to know what you're doing. So man, we're getting some amazing deals. I don't mind putting it out there for sale. Uh, even right now, knowing that the right person's going to come along here pretty darn soon. And they've been watching for it and they're ready to make a move. So, uh, uh exactly. So you know, the topic is how do you market for sale property in today's economic downturn? Is there something different? Yeah. Okay. There's two reasons that we said, Joan, I've said this on the show over the years. There's two reasons that properties don't sell. True. Number one, you're not exposing the right people to this as potential buyers to the prop, the fact that this is for sale. Number Correct. one. Reach. And number two, reach, yeah. Number two is it's not priced right, yep. which usually means you paid too much. Correct. And so that's the real difference here. You're gonna have to work a little bit harder in, an econ in this economic downturn uh, to sell property than you would have, let's say a year or two years ago. Mm -hmm. It's a lot like wearing ankle weights. And then taking the ankle weights off, and it's so much easier to walk around, you know, because you're, you're building muscle. That's what this is. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait I got to back up here. Is this the ankle weight time? Are we getting the ankle weight time? Yeah. You think so? Yeah, you got to work harder. Oh, maybe. I don't know. You know, you just got to, you got to, maybe you have to do a little work a little harder because things are maybe flying off the shelves right now, but I'm going to argue that I still, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling a change in our inventory, like a massive, like, oh, nothing's selling well, right when's now. when's the last time you uh, overpaid for a piece of property? Well, that would be true. I know how not to overpay <laughs> for a piece of property, but like, I just sent you a note the other day, like, hey, why are you in the bank account? Do you see this incoming wire? Mm -hmm. Like this one sold. I wasn't planning on it selling right now, but it just did. It's fine. So, uh, I'm trying to think this this climate and what's different so for me and when I'm talking to agents here's what I am noticing different in 2023 I'm noticing pricing changes maybe more often than normal so what's that making me do is check it a little more frequently like maybe every 30 days versus you just list you know set it and forget it you know list it and don't even think about it so for example this one property that we have right now i looked at it again right now it's not moving and this agent reached out and said we need to drop the price and i'm like hold on a moment I go look. Jill hates dropping the price. Just dropping for the price. record, she you know just why? can't stand it. You know why? Because it's, it's a lazy broker. It's a lazy broker's <laughs> answer like, oh, it's not moving. We need to drop the price. I feel uh, a like, Jill rant's think? coming. So, so yeah, and I may have talked about this last week because it's still on my mind and we're doing it. Because <laughs> so, because anyway, so I I wrote back. Well, I spent some time. I'm, I'm like, well, let's just take a look. I started looking. I'm like, no, no, no. Things are going the other way. We are under we are underpriced right now, and I think it's sending the wrong message. I think people are looking at this, seeing this property, and assuming there's something wrong with it. So I wrote the guy and I said, no, we're, we're actually increasing the price. I haven't seen it come back yet. But what's funny is this broker, um, you know, as he said, I think we should lower the price. He automatically just sent me the document. And I'm like, what is this? So I sent it to Jan. It's called like, slamming. Uh-huh. I'm like, slammed. I don't even look at him anymore. This is the value of, a, of an awesome transaction coordinator. Any broker, anybody tries to just send it straight to me, I don't even click on it. I just forward it to my team. So I'm like, Jan, I don't know what this is. And she wrote right, right back like, don't sign this. <laughs> he's on my hit list now kind of thing. Cause he's like, oh, and he just kind of thinks I'm gonna open it up blindly and just sign this document. He's gonna change the price. Nope. And he hasn't set the one raising the price yet. So we're sitting here, I'm waiting for it. I'm like, no, you need to raise the price. So I guess my point in this, this, uh, um, first rant is numbers will bop up and down a little bit so maybe you gotta be a little more on it than you normally have to but big deal once a month i'm looking or even once a week like we reach out we reach out to every deal i've got in play right now um on the buyer the sell side whether it's a broker selling it or the seller that we're working with through escrow and everything as we're buying it they get touched on at least once a week and I get a report every Wednesday of where I stand on every single property. 
what's what's going through the system so um if you do something like that and i highly recommend it every time once a week you have your your thing look at the prices check the market eyeball it make sure your listing looks good make sure your lead photo is great make sure your person's doing their job who's selling it for you if it's not you uh, and double check the prices see if you need to tweak it here's some real serious uh and simple ways to sell property in an economic downturn and my point to this ankle weight thing is you should do this in, in an upturn too you know because this is going to end this economic downturn will end True. and you will have the good fortune of struggling through it succeeding and forming some great habits number one put a sign on the property put, an, put a sign that from home depot on the property not a century 21 sign number two do a neighbor letter neighbor letters are finding all the owners which is what we do in data tree we find owners of properties that's what we do here uh should be second nature in fact if you send a mailer out you already have the data in, a, in the mailer so you know who owns all the property within let's say a mile radius maybe two depending on how rural it is you know mm-hmm. uh who owns these properties so you need to send a letter to them that says hey this property's off market uh, and it's, it's, I know we're in an economic downturn. That's why it's a smoking deal. We're asking this amount of money. Give me a call. Let's put a deal together. If you, you already own property in the area, so you must be interested. I think I would say that works 60 to 70% of the time if the property's uh, Price right. priced correctly. Mm-hmm. Number three, avoid infill lots i like i like i like saying something like do you want to expand your yard or do you want a new neighbor <laughs> like oh wait a minute <laughs> yeah. you know, owning real estate that's in a is such a good tax situation for you yeah. you know especially if you're going to hold it it's a great estate planning thing so you mm-hmm. can ex- if you learn about these things you can have a very intelligent conversation with somebody who calls on a, on a neighbor letter and says, you know, it is really cheap. It's a lot cheaper than I paid for my property. Yeah. I've got a bunch of cash laying around. It's going to get taxed in my estate. Um, maybe I can, you know, maybe you put it in your kid's name or in your name and your kid's name as joint tenants. And when you pass, they, they, it gets conveyed tax free. They just own it. So there's a lot of reasons why people, you should educate yourself about the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. And so you can have a good conversation when they call back. Number three, avoid infill lots right now. Infill lots, uh, the people who buy infill lots are the people, are home builders, usually. Or they, they're builders of some t- uh, kind, maybe even commercial. You don't want to have a property that's got a real specific use right now. Now's not the time for that. It's we're in an economic downturn unless it's so crazy cheap and you've got a warehouse owner next door that has too much money into the same situation that I just described. You want large recreation property that's priced really cheap because hunters and people who have hobbies have also have a lot of money. They're dying to buy 20 or 30 acres of property that they can go uh, skeet shooting on or, or whatever whatever it lends itself to. Mm-hmm. This is a positive thing, not a negative thing. I agree. And believe, believe me, I'm Debbie Downer most of the time about a lot of this stuff. Buying really cheap property, the right property, putting yeah. a sign on it, sending a neighbor letter out, it's going to work. Also, half of the real estate agents are out of work. I was going to, I'm so glad Go you ahead. brought that Go up. Ahead. I was going to say that too. This is the time that the good ones survive and it's easy to spot who they are and they're not having any issues. Yep. Exactly. If you go on Landwatch and your properties, if your property is listed with the Century 21 agent, let it expire or try to get out of the contract. A lot of times they'll just let you out because real estate agent sucks and go on to Landwatch and find a person who's got 30 listings for land uh, and good listings in the area that's your property and hire that person. Mm -hmm. Get, Get their opinion. Yeah. And then form these good habits right now because uh, this downturn will change. Yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Stay on it. You no, know, I want to just circle back around to reach. One of the things about reach, though, if you're marketing your own property, you're doing it. You have it out there on everywhere, right? You probably did a flat rate MLS listing, so it's all out on the planet on Trulia, Realtor, Zillow, wherever it needs to be. 
And then you're also, hopefully you're doing it. It's all parts of social media that you mm -hmm. can think of. You know, you had that hunting property that Jack just described. You have it in all those, you know, you know, uh, area specific hunting groups on Facebook. It's too easy to, you just need to get it in front of the right people. And if you're not the one doing it, your broker is, that's a conversation to have with your broker. You know, make sure that they're getting it out there. They know how to do a neighbor letter. They know how to do that stuff. That's why you start thinking, start thinking like this. There's, there's a, if you have experience in real estate, there's just this regular um, automatic response to when we list property to kind of describe it. Hey, this is a hundred acres. It's uh, it's really pretty and it's uh, backs up against the forest and forget that right now that needs to change during this environment. It, you need to lead with my loss is your gain. Mm. This property is grossly underpriced and we need to liquidate it. And so uh, please make any offer. Start thinking like that and start listening and talking to potential buyers and make them understand that it's so incredibly undervalued and that you're, you know, usually I don't say sell on price. Now's not the time to maximize price. This is not bucket three True. time. Now is the time to blow through property and just become an acquisition expert because you're yeah. buying it so cheap and then selling it cheap. Yeah. Let's take a look at one of our favorite land acquisitions from the uh, weekly Thursday member webinar. So Walton County, Florida, um, we are at buy for 40, buy for 50, 49,000 That was the offer. They said, make it 50,000. I can understand that. And Patsy thinks we can sell it for 85,000, almost 20 acres, 17.9. It's a subdivision adjacent, a Boy Scouts of America reservation, as well as a small regional airport. Interesting. Okay. I'm liking this here. Um, is located to the east of the parcel. To the west is the U.S. Air Force Elgin Base. It borders Route 10, a major uh, arterial thoroughfare. The owner's alive, the sole owner. Zoned General Ag, although the parcel has a huge frontage on Route 10, which there's no, there weren't any guardrails there, were there? No, but that's not the access. The access is here. Go okay, ahead. Okay, good. No um, guardrails. Doesn't appear to have any convenient legal access to that roadway, correct? There's a cell tower easement that runs along the southeast corners of the parcel, which could be a less desirable attribute for a possible homeowner. Um, that's okay. I got 17.8 other acres to deal with, to play with. Um, 10 acres sold for 75,022. Days on market were 40. And there's the address. I love that. So I like this a lot, this deal. Well, how many flood <laughs> issues are we worried about? See, the question is the price. I love the frontage because I think you can sell it a lot faster. Oh, cool. Looks okay. Where is that in the state? That's what I thought. I like Up this. in a panhandle. That's yeah. good. All comes down to price on this. It's ag. It's got oh, frontage. Good hunting conversations. Land and hunting go uh, hand in hand. Huh? 17.9 mm -hmm. acres. Five for 50. Right here. How big is it? 17.9. 20. 10 acres for 45. That's the one you put out, pointed out. This isn't a comparable at all. Oh, wait. Two properties. 10 acres for 75. You had 10 for 45. Sorry. Two acres for sale, six acres sold, uh, six properties for sold. So um, this is a tough comp. I think it's too much money. Very, very tough comp. It's ag. Let's try to find a house anywhere close to it. This is adjacent. Yeah. Tell us. 300,000. For a house on a tiny little lot immediately adjacent to the property not tiny it's five acres so i love the property and i think it's very sellable but it needs to be probably 20 grand to really sleep at night buy for 20 sell for 40 really fast 45. that's what i think i would like to talk about for our members right now because i don't think it's open to the public uh at this moment but career path six is coming up it's going to be april 12th through may 31st uh this year where do you find that information? Go to landacademy.com forward slash career path, or there's a, just go to land Academy and there's a menu drop down and you'll find career path. So what is career path? Career path is an eight week, uh, program led by ourselves. This is the next topic, by the way. Oh, is it, is it coming up in this, on the show? Well, we talk about you it? You know what? The, uh, the enrollment for career path will be 
this airs this airs on March first. Okay. So en- enrollment opens to the public on the third. Oh, okay. Well, we're talking about it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in a minute we're going to talk about you want to make this a career or you want you want it to be your hobby. Okay. Well, I can. <laughs> All right. Well, this is the whole point. For those of you, we are going to talk about that in a minute. But for those of you that are here to make this your career, you know, and I'm doing a lot of the calls myself right now, screening people, and I'm getting good people. So okay, well, I want to hear. About okay. That. All right. Go ahead. Let's get to the topic. Let's take another question posted by one of our members on the Land Academy Discord online community. Again, if you want a sneak peek of this Discord channel, which is pretty amazing, go to landacademy.com. It's free. Read only free. Okay. Andre wrote, what are you, what are your all, all, what what are y'all's opinion on wholesaling vacant land? What are the pros and cons? Okay. This is a huge uh, topic in Discord. Actually, both of the the topics that we discuss, the questions that we discuss here, I choose them based on the level of uh, response, response and discord, and level of of, of invo- involvement. And boy, this blew up. Can I assume, <laughs> please, that the response to this question was what it should be? Yes. Thank you. There's still some new people that this person specifically and, and a couple other people signed up for Land Academy because they came from wholesaling. Um, Environments. Environments. And Can we back up and explain this real quick? I hate this. I hate this. You know what wholesaling used to be to me? People people say, what? Like, this is 10 plus years ago. When people used to say, what do you do? I'm like, well, I kind of wholesale land. Well, which meant to me was, it was how I priced it and who I sold it to. Like, you wholesale carpet. I don't wholesale carpet. I don't do carpet on terms. Not like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or I don't do. It's I not don't, warehouse I, wholesaling. It's not like, it's, a it's not like I have, I have a theoretical piece. roll of carpet that I just pass the piece of paper that, that conveys the ownership of the roll of carpet. It's I think not it's like a, that. Really appropriate for you to rant about this because I agree with you okay and the, most people in the, in the discord do yeah do. so years ago wholesaling was a positive thing it was great what meant that my price i bought property really inexpensively i sold it very inexpensively and i sold it to other investors that Which was my main correct, thing that's the correct exactly. uh use of the of the word wholesale right like you wholesale carpet to someone who's going to sell it to the retail that's it. I would wholesale land to someone who would mark it up, sell it on terms, whatever, sell it to the end buyer, end user, retail prices. It was a beautiful relationship. Well, somewhere along the way, in the last 10 years, someone got a hold of, and they made the wholesaling term, which is so wrong. They made it that you're walking around with a contract, that I send out an offer, the person signs it back, now I'm gonna go and try to sell this piece of paper. I'm not gonna buy the property. I'm not gonna open escrow. I'm not gonna do anything like that. I'm gonna assign this property to someone else. They're gonna pay me five, 10 grand, a percentage, whatever it is, whatever you work out, for me to give them this piece of paper that they can now go buy the property from the seller. That's what wholesaling has become. It doesn't matter if it's land, doesn't matter if it's a house. It's a lot of people with houses that are doing this, especially if you're on like bigger pockets or in um, Clubhouse. I see it in Clubhouse talks. So it's so confusing. I hate this. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't like to be that, you know, about there's, or I should say there's a few things that I feel this strongly about. And this is one of them. If you feel that the property is good enough, why don't you buy it? Why don't you? Why are you running around with a piece of paper? That's my question. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why are you doing this? Well, you know what the usual reason is. Well, I don't have the money. Mm-hmm. Well, usually there's two reasons. Okay. Reason number one is I don't have the money. Got it. Reason number two is I'm not sure that's good of a deal, so I'm not going to put down You're the money. You're not confident in the deal. So, reason number one, you don't have the money. Okay, that I get. You love the deal. It's great. You flat out don't have the money. Well, guess what? We I have do. the money. And <laughs> our entire group has tons and tons of money yeah. for this. So you don't ever have to do that. If it's that great of a property, just use somebody else's money. Buy it. Own it. Control the deal. And then turn around and sell it quickly like we all do. And then the second one is, I'm not so sure it's that good of a deal. So I'm not going to put my mm-hmm. money down or even not going to put anybody else's money down because I'm not quite sure. So I'm going to run around and try to shop this piece of paper and see what happens. What a waste of your time. 
you know, so many things can go wrong in that process. And two, I'm going to argue, you're not that, you're not even that interested. You're not committed. Mm-mm. You're not going to really be trying to sell that property because you're not sure it's a great price anyway. You're kind of throwing it out there. You're getting in the way. Seeing what sticks, see what comes back, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just dumb. This you is the same uh, mentality. Same mentality as a real estate agent. Yeah. I'm not committed enough to actually buy the house and resell it or the office building or the trailer park or whatever it ends up being. I just want to kind of um, represent somebody else who does it and make a fee. That's not a real estate professional. That's getting in the way of a real estate deal, which is what wholesalers do. They're getting in the way. I'm going to argue that there's some value sometimes for agents in certain situations. I don't think that's that's necessarily. I think people. I'll argue with that all day long. I think, you know what I think? Honestly, I think there's a lot of agents out there that are good agents that they're just afraid of making that next step. They're happy to represent you, happy to represent the buyer, um, but they're not comfortable stepping into our shoes why is that these people for the same reason here probably confidence they don't want to take any risk yeah and that's okay so i don't think it's okay well it's it's not not in our world (laughs) i mean all you got to do is realtor.com and see every single property that's listed on the mls in the entire country within 13 seconds do you know what the whole thing is maybe that's it this is and this is where i think this is i think this is where this is going and i would be flipping scared if i was doing this because here's what can happen andre you are, I think you are five months away <laughs> from the real estate community coming down on you saying, now you're acting as a real estate agent and you're not licensed and we're coming after the you. The technical term, Jill's exactly right. The technical term for when you have a signed purchase agreement and let's say you open escrow, which is the right thing to do. You have equitable title in this property now. You could go, you are legally allowed to because you have a, an ownership interest. You don't have fee simple ownership like we were talking about earlier. You have equitable title. And so you're, that allows you to shop the deal, sell it, sell it for more, and do I a dual do do escrow. And most title companies now, are they won't allow this. It was right. very popular, um, geez, 10 years ago, like Jill said. Right. So yeah, I'd be concerned about it too. Ultimately, legislation is going to come down to not allow, a, it's called a dual, we call it a dual closing. Right. And, and I think that's... I think that's okay. Usually I'm not a big fan of more legislation and more rules, but I, I think this is destructive. Right. You know, the whole thing is you, you need to, you need to, um, we haven't got to the topic today, but, um, <laughs> the second topic, but you need, if you feel that good about it, Andre, just buy it. And then you can try the, the one, the last piece I didn't get to say was, when you don't own that property and you're running around with that piece of paper, 16 things can go wrong. The seller could change their mind. The buyer could reach out to the seller and say, let's just cut Andre out. Let's, you know, there's so many, and what are you gonna do? You're gonna really go after him, chase him and no. try to sue him for it? No. It's a waste of your time. You, you and I know that, it's not worth it. Um, it's, it's just, you know, and, you know, time, time, like I said, you're not interested. You're not gonna really be working that hard. Just a lot of things that, that um, could go wrong. I, I only way you may or may not remember for those of you that have gone back to podcast number 12, <laughs> some of you have, please don't do that. Yeah. Don't go back. Well, if you want a good, you know, gut laugh, go but ahead. somewhere between 12 and 22, <laughs> um, there was a time that I had to do a kind of version of this only until I had the money to buy the property. Um, but it was very, very rare. Really? Because mm-hmm. way, come on, way, way. Maybe you've even been before Land Academy, probably. I don't recall that ever. Yeah, but there was a time that I didn't have the money, and I would, and I would try to do. I'd call it an option. Oh yeah, and, and it was only because I like I love this deal, and the guy really wanted me. I'm like, ah. but I was very upfront and honest with the seller too, by the way, and he signed something knowing that. I'm going to go try to sell this and I'm going to try to get you this price. And he's like, done to have at it, Jill. And then as soon as I could afford it, though, I would buy the property. I needed something to sell so I could buy it. The other <laughs> issue, which is a little bit more, uh, it's forget about the ethics of it or doing the right thing. Yeah. There's a core economic problem with this. $10,000 seems to be the number that everybody is shooting for to option a property or, or to, oh, uh, to make. wholesale it. Yeah. Oh. So you buy property, the, you know, you sign a contract for thirty or $40,000 on a piece of land. You think it's worth eighty. dollars uh, You option it immediately out to somebody, let's say in Land Academy, who uh, sees a value in it. 
And so they they buy the contract for $10,000 and then they go off. You know, let's say it's Jill. Jill goes off and, you know, immediately lists it and sells it for $80,000. So now she's $40,000 into this thing. She made 40 grand. She did about two hours of work, max, maybe an hour. With her, with her transaction coordinator, she really does no work at all. And so, great, you do 10 of those. You do 10 of those a year and Jill does 10 of those a year. And you make, uh, you know, 100, what, 10, 10 times 10 is $100,000 and Jill makes 400. Did, did you, in, the difference is that's you didn't have point. to front any money. True. So that's a disease. That's a, if you really risk, if you see risk in buying and selling land, this isn't for you. Right. So just don't do it. Don't option it. <laughs> don't, don't get involved in it. I would, if you see the value in Jill's 400, you know, $500,000, it'll end up being if she did, you know, 10 or 12 of these a year, which we do see. And many, many other land academy members see it. Yeah. You're welcome. To, you're welcome into this group then. Yeah. Thank you. So, Andre, well, I'm not picking on you at all. Yeah. It's a great question and I'm glad I'm you glad. answered and everybody uh, had the same opinion. That's why we're talking about it right now. I yeah. want the planet to know. We are, there's no it's way really are we good. picking on you. You just happen to be the yeah. person who asked the question. And I'm really glad you did. Totally. Today's second topic is we're going to talk about the difference between buying and selling land as a hobby or a career. That was actually a good example of that question. I think as a hobby, you can go around wholesaling land. That's true. You know, and be a uh, software developer. If someone wants it, great. If they don't, no, no mm-hmm. big deal. I'm still back at my job at AT and T. Yep. Or wherever it is. But you're you're just the, the reality is, if you're doing the right deals, you're leaving so much money on the table. And in my example, Jill's making it all. So why not just call Jill to fund it in the first place? That's the thing. And then we're, now we're all making money well, the that right was, way. That was my example. Like I, I you know, we, we here's here's a positive thing. I know several people in Land Academy that are former uh, real estate brokers slash agents, and one of the common things that they have said to me is, yeah. I was tired of watching all these guys make all the money, all the investors. That's me. You're describing uh-huh. me because I, I used decided, to be a commercial broker. There you go. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be the investor. Why am I going to make? Well, I'm only making six or ten percent, three or six or ten percent, depending on what's going on. Versus, I want all that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I watched a few of those. I figured out what's going on over here, and I can do that. I know how to value property. I know how to sell property. Ding, ding. So that's a good example of, you know, career and a good career transition. If you buy a piece of property, this is along the lines of the topic here, uh, like Joe was saying at the beginning of the, of the uh, episode, and you make $50,000 and you're good that year, that's your hobby. Oh, wait, wait. There's no way right. I'm going to buy and sell a piece of property for 50000 bucks and call it a year. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I'm not going to call it right? So it really be- but, but, comes down to... Just a moment, please. Because for some people, that's enough. <laughs> not us. It's a personality type. I know, but maybe two a year, maybe five a year. I don't know. So... I'm going to do 10 a month if I know I can make 50 okay. grand. I want to say there's there's no ways right or wrong. They're just different. It's absolutely I, right and wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait. If you want a hobby... That's it. It's it, it, um, here's the good news. If you want to be pushed to make this a career, join Land Academy because That's everything right. we do inside the Land Academy is going to try to knock that hobby out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and so, good luck if you think you're just going to come into Land Academy and skip along the top and have a lot of people are just skipping along the top. No, we're kind of in it. So I talked to somebody. And real for, w- for you motivated people, you know that, you know, you know, I'm talking to you. I talked to somebody a real long time ago, a lot of years ago. And they said, you know, I just want to make enough to cover my mortgage. Right. And I said, this is not for you. <laughs> if you have some version of OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder, you have a type AAA personality where you can't sit still and ADD or anything like that, you will be in great company in this group. Right. That's Everybody's going 100 miles an hour here uh, to get a bunch of deals done and and try to, to take the basic uh, advice slash education that Jill and I provide and put their own twist on it so that they can make more money than the other person that's next to them in this group. And I just love that. 
it's pretty easy to get into this group, do a deal or two, and then go, oh, if I did 10 of those mm -hmm. or 20 of those, where would I be right now? To this day, when I do, when we do a deal, when Jill gets a deal, like we just got a wire transfer in on one today, I multiply it by 12. And mm. I say, I, I don't know why I do this. I've huh. always done it since the beginning of my career. If I do one of these a month, could huh. I live on it? I think it was 38 grand. Yeah. So it's that's, nothing. that's uh, 400 what, right? Yeah. It's, well, $500,000. Could you live on that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember this deal. I forget sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, huh, what's this coming in? Like, this is the beauty of our of our position. My transaction coordinator will just say, hey, watch for a wire, incoming wire. I'm like, oh, cool. I wonder what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny because we're um, a lot of people signed up, more than usual signed up at the end of the year. And so they're now, they're in the second month, almost oh. the third month of their education. And, and they all have, I should do a frequently uh, asked good. questions. Yeah. You know, they ask, here's the questions they asked. How many mailers does it take to buy a deal? Mm -hmm. And I say, I don't know. Cause we, cause just, this is me? what reminded me. Or for you. <laughs> <laughs> what reminded me of that is, was cause we just, we stopped tracking this about, I don't know, 15 years ago. Like forever. That, probably Did 25 years ago. Well, we ever tracked it. I don't track it. All I know is how many deals we do. I don't care about how much mail it takes to send out because if you run the percentages and the return on investment for what the mail costs and the amount of money, like, it just, after like maybe two deals, you'll stop caring. But I get it. People are new. They're, they're, it's, you know, they're spending money, thousands of dollars on mail, and you need to have a budget. Mm -hmm. and you need to say, understand how much, predict what's going to happen within reason. And so, but there's, we, for whatever reason, we attract a lot of people, like I call them STEM type people, because that's what I am. They're just accountants or they're software engineers or they're mechanical engineers or airline pilots or uh, and on and on and on. It's very technical. And they want to get it all into a spreadsheet and understand it before they you know, let it rip. Mm -hmm. Those people are planning for a career or a mm -hmm. second career. They're not doing this for a hobby. Mm -mm. There are other places to get educated out there, um, all of which uh, Jill and I, they're offshoots of Land Academy because they used to be Land Academy members who treat this as a hobby. They buy back tax property. They send out 10 mailers a day. Or they've done five deals and think, oh, I can teach everybody this. Yeah. Really? There's a lot of offshoots of, of Land Academy. I don't believe that any of them, any of them at all, uh, give the real big solid picture about how to make four or five or six or ten million they dollars done a year. That. Yeah, that's they right. Can't. That's that's the well, can I get back to that real quick? Sure. Can I get back to Curb Path sure. real quick? So speaking on that, just so you know, you know, you don't this is this is not a definite thing, but if you want it, we will help you. There's a lot of people that just come into Land Academy, you know, follow us, figure it out on their own and make this a career, which is I mean not on their own, you know what I mean. But they do everything that we do and copy us to make it a career. If you want our help doing that we are happy to do it. We have an eight-week program. The next one's coming up. I'm doing two this year, one in the spring, one in the fall. And right now, it's going to be opened up here to more people outside of Land Academy soon. So if you're in Land Academy, this is a hint to you to get your seat because if I fill up before I go outside of Land Academy, then that's that will just happen. I want you to have them first. But we only have 15 seats, um, career path number six. And it's us for eight weeks really coaching you, pushing you, motivating you, helping you, showing you, telling you everything that we do so you can make it a career like we have. And it's not just us. We, That's true. We have people in the group. Um, Other pros who, who are most, uh, many of them make more money than doing this than Sometimes, we do. Sometimes, yeah. And so they have, you're, in a, you're one of 15 or 18 people uh, for an entire Wednesday. I think it's eight hours, no, probably six hours, four to six hours yeah. every Wednesday for eight, eight weeks, weeks, consecutive weeks. You're in a room with people who are smashing it, awesome. buying and selling land. Yeah. And, and it's, not, it's not a lecture. Mm -hmm. You're, you know, hopefully your camera's on, your mic's on, and you interrupt us as we're talking or ask people, other people questions about, you know, how do you, how do you everything do that? from what phone service do you use to, um, you know, tell me your biggest, you know, hor horrific financial loss story that you can, how can I avoid that as, you know, because I want this to be my career. So it's, it's, I learned the That's truth good. is we continue to do this. We don't need to do this. I love it. I love it too. It's my favorite thing. Because now. I learn 
much. I mean, every single career path, I learn a lot of stuff and we get to, and then we, we create business partners. Yeah. In the end, you're going to create, if you're serious about this, you'll create a great business partnership. There are yeah. uh, many, many people come to us and say, I was in career path three and um, I did 22 deals with the guy that was in career. Yeah. And we just had, we got along. We, I'm yeah, so excited. This career path, career path six more than ever. Now we have more people that are from career path one, two, three, and four and five um, wanting to come back and do it again. They're like, I got so much out of that. I know I'll get even more doing this again. I'm like, this is really cool. Right. We have a great group. I love it. This, this is, career it path is, is, is a little special because we're going to add uh, Land Academy Pro on the tail end of it. So you can use our staff. You will meet, if you're in career path, you will meet. Is that, am I not supposed to talk about that? I wasn't good while it's out there now. <laughs> I was kind of sh- quietly. She was like, what the hell? Quietly sharing. Well, we can explain more about that another time. That's okay. a whole different, that's a whole different thing. I don't want to confuse people, but yeah. Right. So, hey, you know what the truth mm-hmm. is, and all kidding aside, if this is your hobby and you want to, there's a, a person who just joined our group in uh, Virginia, yeah. and like I was describing uh, this person earlier, they have a, they, they, they're involved in the community. Mm-hmm. They were civil, I think they were a civil engineer involved in a planning of uh, a community in Virginia. And they want to buy some land. They know landowners and, and uh, they're retired. It seems like from how they're talking about it in Discord, they're retired or maybe uh, later in their, in their career. And I think that's this great. would be a good this could be for everybody. This can be a hobby for you if you want. My only comment is it's very easily uh, to get addicted and then it doesn't become a hobby anymore. <laughs> I would not buy Land Academy for your wife and expect her to do it. Why? Some people have come to us that and I don't I don't know. Hold on. A moment. How about I buy you an accounting degree? Are you well, gonna go do it? Well, I mean why don't you ask her first? Well, there is that. <laughs> you don't just kind of say, here, here, baby, log in. Let me know how it goes. Make us some money. Come back with some dough. <laughs> I'll be over here. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's funny. No, but it's it's um, awesome. I just talked to a couple today that are coming to Career Path 6, and she found Land Academy for him. So I'm like, yep, it's really good. Did she make him do it? Oh, of course. Well, when the wife brings it up, then it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. Right, Tori? So, <laughs> this is good. Let's take a look at another one of our favorite land acquisitions from our weekly uh, Thursday member webinar. Mm-hmm. Carroll County, Arkansas, 2.5 acres. Look how speedy you are putting on those APNs. Five for 13. Sell for, I don't know, 28, 32, somewhere in there. We have access along the back of the Elk Ranch lots. Physical was a road once, would need to be cleared. Adjacent, there are mobile, some older homes, nothing fancy. Um, attributes, power's close by. 10 minutes to Eureka Springs. Wow. Oh, now you're... Jeez. Oh, you got his number there. 15 to 20% slope. Okay, so where's the access again? Along the back of those lots. There so was a road. right here. Okay. They say that. He says that. Ooh. Pretty slopey, and I don't see access. I'm holding up a card. It's the I have a problem. 118 feet. Here's my only my only thing is for two and a half acres, because there's so much other land around there, it's not going to be high on my list for that parcel, unless. It was crazy, 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 crazy and expensive. I agree with Jill. We were just there. So I, yeah. there's just a, a lot of property for sale. Right. Because there's a lot of property. Exactly. Let's confirm that. And I don't, yeah. I, I'd like to see access and I want to confirm all that. 117 sold properties in the universe of just land and last 12 months, 276. Most of it's here. Oh, available for sale? Yeah. That tells you right there. So there you go. We were, we're, Jill and I were looking at houses there, not, we're just horsing around Mm -hmm. and maybe the best location you can imagine from a retail standpoint and just like living, living in the fun. They were down like here and they weren't, they were in a low 200,000s. This is what we're looking at. And that's what you want. Exactly. So think about that. This is this person's view for the same price. Which would you buy? I'd be buying this one. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're You can buy a house in Eureka Springs. Look at. Here's a comp that I says you can't. This is sixty five thousand for two acres, same size. Yeah, it's more money, but it's just look at the difference. This part of the country is the best kept secret I've seen. 
yeah. from a price and a livability standpoint and weather and the people and everything. Mm-hmm. Julie, you have something inspirational to share. Yes. Okay. So I was talking to my team today. We have a, we have a daily um, chat that we get together on. Um, and it's, we're talking about new members, current members, you know, everything that's going on within our land Academy community. And they said, here's, here's a common thing we'd love you to talk about. And it's people nitpicking and looking for problems and it's keeping them from getting things done. So my, my, my sentence is, you're never going to get going if all you do is look for problems. I have so many questions about this because uh-huh. I look for problems all the time. Yeah, but at least you do it. So let me give you an example. So here's what I'm talking about. You're getting ready to do a mailer and you, you're uh, doing your numbers. You're following Jack on screen. You're pricing. And you know what? You just can't, you just can't get the percentages right. You just can't run them down the sheet. Maybe it's an even Excel issue. This is what people do. They can't get the Excel formulas to work right. They're having trouble with this. And you know what? I'm just out today. I'll get to it tomorrow. And then maybe they do, maybe they don't. And then another day goes by. And another day goes by. And another day goes by. And a week goes by. And then a month goes by. They still haven't sent a mailer because they had some Excel hang up or spreadsheet hang up or just something little like that. Then instead of sitting down, don't complain, don't, you know, yell at people. I don't know. Don't <laughs> call my staff and tell them it's stupid. Not that you would do that, but you know what I mean? Oh, I think some people some do people that. Some people do that. Actually, some people do that. Like, this is too hard. No, Land Academy you know? doesn't work. No. You maybe, Land Academy works. You don't work. Maybe you need to brush up on Excel. Maybe maybe you need to use concierge. There are solutions. But they just look for the problems and they use that as Wait, an excuse. Where is this coming from? This from my given. team today. These wow. are real. They said they said we are having a, a not a not a lot, but a healthy number of people reaching out to support saying, I can't do this. Well, like instead of just fear. And then there's one little thing like the regular green test. Like, you know, we have done a, we, we continue to update this because the tools that we use and the websites that we use to download data, sometimes they change the formatting. They move it a column over. So you have to put it in a different way. And people are like, well, it doesn't work because it's one column over. I can't figure it out. How about... <laughs> We take a moment to understand. This is turning into a Jill rant. I'm sorry. How about, <laughs> I love it. We take a moment to understand what each column is. And then you can go, oh, days on market is shifted to F instead of E. I got this. You know, little things like that. And some people, though, they use that, and sadly, as a thing to stop the stop the whole process. And you shouldn't do that. Because this, I'm going to come back to my sentence. You're never going to get going if all you do is sit here and look for problems. And let that stop you. Are there predictable road, you know, uh, speed bumps in the process here? Predictable? No. So it's not like every single person has no. an issue with pricing. Nope. It's all just all over the place. It's it's we have it, sometimes it's it's individuals that are looking. It's almost like they're they're looking for a reason not to do it, and they want to blame somebody else. I hate to say it. So wouldn't you think, and I'm, this is like a business meeting for us. It is. Wouldn't you think that you would go out into Discord and say, I've got this issue, uh, the data that Jack says in module three or chapter three at around 38 minutes isn't lining up. Does anybody else have that issue? And uh, please PM me because everybody would say, especially like mm-hmm. Kevin Farrell, remember that he would say, I'm happy to help you. Just do let's, this. Let's look at it together. Well, you know, the, my first thing is support though, at landacademy.com is not the place to learn how to buy and sell land. <laughs> That's it's funny. just not. Well, here's my here's my thing too. Why don't why what's wrong with trying to figure it out on your own for a few minutes? I agree. Let's first just take a step back, you know, and and whatever the problem is, understand uh, you know, understand what you're working with here. And it might take you a little bit. Maybe there's some Google involved. Maybe I'm not even sure what this term is. That could be, you know, and you spend a little time on it. Cause you know what? Wait a minute. I'm going to argue mm-hmm. cause you're going to be smarter in the end Yeah. and you're going to teach yourself great. how to 
how to do these problems and work through these problems and you're gonna and eventually you're gonna be faster at it the last thing you want to do is like i reach because if you reach out to every single person i understand your discord thing that would be at the end for me but and i'm gonna give you an example but if you reach out to somebody for every little thing you're never gonna do it on your own you're never gonna learn you're never gonna get past it and if those people aren't there someday you're kind of lost here's an example sometimes like when I'm doing property, I'm doing research, okay? This is, and I need to know what the zoning is of a property. Cause I'm trying to figure out, maybe I'm, as I'm buying this property, right? I'm trying to figure out what the zoning is. Cause I'm trying to figure out what's possible. I'm trying to figure out who's gonna buy my property and it's gonna make a difference if I wanna buy the property. So I'm like, can I put a mobile on there? Can someone camp on there? What can we use this for? And I go into parcel fact or whatever you use and I see, 400 or whatever that shows land use um, in there and I'm going I the, the first thing I do is not pick up the phone and call the county I never do that first thing I do is I try to find it myself I'm going into the county website I'm getting a hold of their property I'm getting I'm downloading their their that's often a PDF file it might be 30 pages long but I'm gonna get it my hands on that county's planning and zoning PDF file telling me what's possible. I'm looking at that. And now, and I, I have all I need often, not always, but often now I'm like, Hmm, it says camping is allowed, but is there a time restriction? I don't see that in there. And I, it says mobiles, but I'm not sure about this. Now I pick up the phone and I will call the County. And then, you know, I, and I learn and I remember now I know what forever, what 400 is. I didn't rely on anybody. And two, when I call the County, they love me. I'm staring at your manual. I'm staring at page 32. I know what 400 is and I know this, yeah. this, and this. Yep. Can you just answer this one little yep. section for me? You are their best friend right now. Yeah. Cause you know, Cause nobody does that. Uh huh. And they'll, t they'll answer any question you want. So by the way too, this is helping me cause now any question I want, they love me. They're like, yeah. Oh, and by the way, here's what's coming next month. Since you're so cool, it's not in this manual, but next month there's going to be a, a, a rule change. That's also going to allow this, this, and this. So you are the first person to know. Awesome. That's how I roll. We live in a culture. This is a man plan topic more than a land Academy topic. We live in a culture where we now have an entire generation, a whole generation, maybe a generation and a half of people, who were born with a computer chip in their mouth. And so, Figured. you know, there's- That's an coming, it's gonna be in a pacifier at some point. There's an iPhone, yeah. I'm really yeah. serious about this. Yeah. There's an iPhone in their crib in some cases. Maybe, yeah. And, and what social media uh, and the internet in general does is it gives you the false impression that your opinion matters. And so what we're seeing with some Land Academy members, I'm certainly seeing it in the public uh, and in a lot of other places where, for some reason, I we all think that you're, you think your opinion matters <laughs> and you think that everything, everybody's wrong. Everybody, this, this isn't right. This person just cut me off. Couldn't be anything I did. Couldn't be, I was driving like an idiot. That person's terrible. Yeah. And they, and it is this, this culture of blame and over explanation for everything. And the fact is when somebody cuts me off, what I do, my immediate response is maybe I'm driving that. Maybe, I, maybe it's me. Yeah. When I can't get a mailer out or it's priced incorrectly, it's my problem. Right. It's not support at Land Academy's problem. And, and we're just using that as an example. So the underlying problem here is, is it's personality type. And we've got an, an entire generation and a half of people that expect uh, other people to do stuff. And they don't look at themselves and say, how can I be a better person today? How can I do a better, better mailer next time? How can I answer the phone in a better way to... Uh, I don't to, think it's age to, related. I don't think it's age related okay, at all. I think I think it's it's uh, your level of involvement and when you got involved with social media. Well, it's a, I just, it's a direct cause and effect. I don't think so. I because I still I think there's older people that are doing it too. Yeah, I think there's a I, laziness factor too. But absolutely. my point it's is, not, it's not. I'm not. I didn't say millennial, and I won't. That's okay. that's not the. We problem. said generation. Well, there's an entire generation that. <laughs> I'm not, I don't think it's age specific. I okay. really don't. Can we wrap it up on a positive note? Sure. Okay. My point is. I don't is, really want to, but because, you know, I think. Well, we'll get to you in a minute. You can be negative <laughs> all really you want, do but think this is that. Jill's inspiration. It's supposed to be positive. I don't want to search for positive stuff. I really think you should look for problems. Well, no. 
You should not look for problems. Don't go looking for problems. Don't because then you're creating problems. It's stupid. <laughs> you should look I'm for problems. Jill. Okay, ignore him. <laughs> Everyone ignore that comment. This is Jill's inspiration. I just undid not everything. Jack's. Not Jack's. I undid deflation. everything Jill just said. Jill's inspiration and Jack's deflation. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to build you up, and he's going to do his best to just let all the air out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just want you to be aware of it. And, and you may or may not know that's you. If you realize, oh, you know what? I am poking holes in things instead of just figuring it out for myself and learning from it, moving on. And now I memorize it and I got this. That's it. You'll be a better person and your, your family and your friends will appreciate you more too. And your peers in Land Academy. Whew, Jack, now it's your turn. Do you have something you want to share? I do. I want to talk about back, uh, land back taxes and back tax sales 101. Okay. Real estate, this is a huge for whatever, re- well, I know why. It's a huge topic in Discord. People are asking all kinds of questions about it because I'm fairly confident, don't know sh- for sure, pretty confident they came from another uh, land. Group uh, that goes and buys back tax property? Yes, a okay. land group. Okay. Another uh, education environment that has to do with land that focuses on back taxes, which is fine. Here's the deal. Here's here's uh, what you need to know. Every single property in the entire country, unless it's owned by a nonprofit group like a church or a hospital or whatever, has to pay taxes on its property every year, sometimes twice a year, depending on where it is. And this is these are statutes in the state about the process and how this happens. When a taxing a th- when when you stop paying your taxes, the state or the county has to follow a statutory process to get the ta- that property back on the tax rolls. That's their whole point to this. So they go about the business of over time, sending you notifications and uh, informing you that hey, you haven't paid your taxes. You haven't paid your taxes. This is the amount we're going to foreclose on it. We're going to take it back, and that eventually happens. Those properties get sold at an auction after a certain amount of time. There are two types of auctions in the entire country and then a hybrid between the two. So there's really three types. Tax deed, and it's just exactly what it is. You go to an auction, sometimes uh, Joe and I have been to a million of these, uh, spent millions of dollars on back tax property in the past. You go to a county courthouse, uh, sometimes they do it online now. They say this is APN, fill in the blank, and we're going to start the bidding at $100 or $1,000 or whatever it ends up being. If we like the price, we did all our homework, we buy the property. There's like a gavel. Yep. Uh Tax deeds. There's also tax liens. Liens are when you buy the actual, so if a property has $1,000 of back taxes on it, you buy that $1,000. And, and a lien is placed that's associated with that property and the owner has a couple choices. They can pay back the $1,000 to the person who paid the $1,000 lien and then they're all in good standing and they own the property and everybody everything's great. Or they can choose to ignore it because they're dead usually. When they ignore it, the lien holder ultimately at some point is allowed to foreclose on the property through a statutory process. That's what quiet title was. We talked about that earlier. It's the same process and end up owning the property for the amount of the back taxes that were owed. The third and final one is uh, in Arizona is like this is there is a hybrid. First you buy a lien, nothing happens. The lien holder doesn't foreclose. The dead person is dead, so they don't do anything about it. And it goes into a tax deed status. This takes five to seven years in Arizona. Every state's different. So you can make a ridiculous amount of money buying properties uh, at a back tax deed sale. Arkansas is a deed state. Uh, Texas is a deed state. Texas is required by law every two weeks to have sales every county. And there's 274 counties in Texas, I think. Nobody does it. Nobody. It's too much work. So there's a huge subculture of buying these properties at back tax sales. Why do I bring this up? Why do you care? Because you're sending out mail all the time. And you are ultimately going to buy property from somebody who bought it at a tax sale. Is this good or bad? It's a good question. Yeah. When you when a, pro, when a taxing authority brings a property back, 
and it's and it's uh, in, through a judicial foreclosure or administrative foreclosure action, it clouds the title. And so now you're buying a piece of property sent to mailer out. Guy calls you back, says, "Heck yes, I'd love to sell you my problem for property for eight thousand dollars." And you say, "Great." This is how you usually find out. You send it to, uh, to title, and title says, "Hey, there's this title's cloudy. I don't think we can uh, insure it." Right. And so that's because they bought it at a tax sale several years ago. Because it was taken, not sold. No, seriously. I mean, I'm just saying <laughs> no, that. No, because they took it back. That's yeah. why there's a cloud. It wasn't. It wasn't a a, a a formal transaction where I willingly sold the property. They just had yeah. to take it back. So I just want to explain. Down. That's why there's a little cloud on there. So you can little, undo but, this. Yeah. Um, you know, you can undo this by. Uh, quieting the title so to speak there's a company in Irvine called tax title services it costs a couple thousand bucks to get um, a cloud free title at the end of that process and what they do is go through judicial foreclosure they they quiet title the property and then it's insurable it's title title insurance insurable that's back tax property well Jack why don't we all just go buy back tax property why are we messing around with these mailers why would you send out mail if you can just go look at a list at a county and pick the ones out that you want and buy them and resell them? Great question. It takes an incredible amount of work to look at 100 properties in a back tax list. And I would encourage you to pick, find out wherever you live, find out what, if there's a list and go review 100 properties and tell me how long it takes. Hmm. It takes 10 times longer to do that than it does to do a mailer. And then when you ultimately find the three that you want out of that, hundred they might the financial part of it might not work you can't mm-hmm. control the sales price they control it there's all kinds of reasons that it's it's not efficient from a time standpoint versus sending a 10,000 unit mailer out that might take you a day maybe two days it's gonna take you a lot less if you use concierge data uh, and and the 25 or 30 or 40 or 80 people in those 10,000 that you send out are calling you back in a lot of cases saying where do I sign? Mm-hmm. I, I this is your timing's perfect. I would love, and you told them how much you're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Mailing is better. They but, might be eyeing that process too, which is really interesting. There's times that you reach out to people; they're like they're getting these notices that it's going to happen, so they're freaking out, going, "Shoot, I'm going to lose it," you know. And now you're coming up to buy it. That's really amazing. So I happy. bought a house a few years ago, and we this we sent the letter. They said, "Heck yes, we would love oh, to yes. do the deal." We opened escrow, um, and the title agent called us, called Jill and a Huff, and yeah. said, "You know." They're going to take this house back next week. Yep. They, the seller didn't even tell us. I don't know if they're embarrassed or what. Yep. It was a smoking deal. So what did we do? We settled the taxes immediately. Ran out and paid the back taxes. We got cashier's checks, did uh-huh. whatever the, the taxing authority wanted us to do. Uh, took it, subtracted it from the purchase price. Uh-huh. And geez, we made probably 200000 grand, $150,000 on that house. Mm-hmm. So yes, Jill's exactly right. You're sending a mailer out to these people that are getting these notices and mm-hmm. they have no intention of paying their taxes mm-hmm. or they don't have their money. Well, that's or the whole point of today too. Of, of people who have passed away. It's nice to know this because now you have some knowledge and you can explain it to sellers too. Sometimes you're like, they're like, uh, you know, they may or may not know what would happen. So, and now you can say it's going to get taken back. So please, uh, which would happen? Here's a couple of anecdotal um, points about back taxes. Taxes, back tax property, taxes, property taxes are associated with the land. Mm -hmm. They're not associated with you. A lot of people confuse that because, you know, they may have gone through a a house foreclosure, and and when you have a a a bank loan on a house on a a mortgage, that's attached to you. It's personal guarantee, and the house. Mm-hmm. Property taxes are only attached to the land, so it doesn't affect your credit score. There's there's not a lot of motivation for us to pay uh, property taxes for property we don't want. There's a ton of motivation for me if my property's going back to answer somebody's letter and say, "Heck yes, I'll sell it. You can please solve all my problems. Thank you." Exactly. And so you need to know that. Jill's right. You need to know how this works because you're going to talk to people on the phone mm-hmm. who are like, "Thank thank you. Let's let's get this done fast." Exactly. Good segment. Thank you very much. Good information. Join us next Wednesday for another interesting episode. You are not alone in your real estate ambition. We We are are Jack Jack and Jill. Jill. Information and inspiration. It's about undervalued property.